Either all risk takers are dead inside, or we've just learned how to deal with that fear that most people have. It just doesn't exist. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. Seven Figure Flipping is on a mission to help serious investors do more deals, make more money, work fewer hours, and get their lives back. Here's your host, Seven Figure Flipping CEO, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen and we are in this series right now on talking about the traits of an entrepreneur. So I interviewed Gino Wickman, the author of, you guys know him, Attraction, Get a Grip, uh, How to Be a Great Boss, those kind of books. And a lot of us operate off of EOS. And just to give you a refresher, we talked about the entrepreneurial leap and the six essential traits that every entrepreneur should have. So that is a visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. So those six traits are inherent in any entrepreneur is what Gino talks about. And he defines a trait, just as a reminder, of a genetically determined characteristic. So something that is inside of your DNA. You either have these six traits or you don't is what he's what, what he put out in this book and this concept. And I thought it was really interesting. So what we did, as you guys know, if you've been following along with the series, we put together the board of directors for Seven Figure Flipping. So these are folks that are really close to me. And what we're doing is we're digging into each of their traits. These are arguably the top entrepreneurs in the real estate investment world, for sure. And digging into each one of these traits has been really interesting to see kind of you know, what they think about. And as you go deeper and deeper into one, you find out that they really do have these and it's inherent in them. So today I've got Mike Simmons with me, who you guys all know from the podcast. He's been on a couple times. And if you've been to any of our events, Flip Backing Live or any of the mastermind meetings, you know that he's the one, uh, he's the one carrying the show all the time and, uh, and making our community as great as it is. And so today we're going to talk about the fifth trait of being a risk taker with Mike. What's up, Mike? How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you doing? Thanks for the intro. It's very nice. I always like when I do the show and the intro I get is like the nicest things you say about me all year. So I like it. Yeah, you're welcome because we, uh, we cover all the nasty stuff before we start the show. That's right. So, that's right. We, all the ribbing and all the, all the jokes happen beforehand. So yep, I got out of the prep and I appreciate you wearing the army shirt today on the podcast. This looks great. So I've got my uh, military yeah. green. You got your military green. It wasn't even planned. It's awesome. That's right. So if you guys aren't watching on YouTube, you need to because this is... Uh, <laughs> You can barely see Mike. So <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's after the intro. The jokes are coming. <laughs> All right, we got to have a little fun and keep them uh, right. keep them engaged. That's so right. let's talk about uh, being a risk taker. What I want to do is I want to read just I'll read the first paragraph from the section that Gino talks about it, so that okay. we can kind of set the stage for everybody. So what he says is, um, and this is from the book Entrepreneurial Leap. A risk taker is someone willing to take a leap and willing to fail. A risk taker is a rule breaker, change maker, disruptor. The status quo is not good enough. Entrepreneurs take risks, calculated risks. They're willing to fail, try again, and adapt. When it comes time to take a leap, they understand the risk-reward equation and prefer to take a big risk for a big reward. So after hearing that, Mike, does that describe you or not? Yeah, I think it definitely describes me. Okay, Otherwise, why? This would be a short interview. Yeah. Nope, <laughs> that's not me. Not me. Nope, nope, nope. Not me. Next. Like, honestly, um, when I read that, I think there's like... It like really pumps me up actually. It gets yeah. me excited to go do what I do and makes me feel like, like that's me. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think it definitely describes me. And, I, and, the, and the reason I, I think that is I just look back at, at, at my life, right? Things that I've done and certainly in recent years, um, the way that I've conducted my business, the way I've conducted myself, 
Um, it's funny, you know, we, we talk about risk taking and what you just read and it, it absolutely resonates with me. But what's interesting is I think when you're a risk taker, the interesting part of it is you, it stops, it doesn't feel as risky as it appears to the outside world, right? It's in your DNA to take these risks. So to me, and I, and I think to, to people who are risk takers, you go, well, what else would I do? What are my choices here? Like, this is a clearly the best way to go. And other people go, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you quit your job. I can't believe you're, you're doing this. I can't believe that you're willing to risk this much money. Well, like, how much of that house costs? Like, all these things that we take sometimes for granted and we do it as part of our normal business. I, I always like tell people that I feel like when it comes to risk, like there's something I'm dead inside. Like, I don't have this this fear like, oh, we're going to do this deal. And it's a, it's a big, it's a ton of money. I got to borrow this money. I've got to pay it back in three months. Like I do that. And I go, yeah, it's, that's just what, what it was. What's the next one. And people go, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a second. Aren't you freaking out? Like, what if it doesn't work out? Like, what, what if you can't sell the house? What are you going to do? And just, I know you do the same thing. Like I'll figure it out. Like I'll, I'll find the money. I'll do it. Right. So it stops. It's, it's, it's either, either all risk takers are dead inside, or we've just learned how to deal with that, with that, fear that most people have. It just doesn't exist. So I think not taking risks and not doing things that make other people uncomfortable or outright scared would be, would, would be more risky for me in a way. It, it sounds kind of weird, but I w- it would feel more risky to be safe because I can't get where I want to go being safe. And, and I just, I don't see that as a path that makes sense for me. And when it doesn't make sense for you, then it doesn't feel as risky. If you feel like that's just what I need to do, that's where I need to be, then all these risks we're talking about start feeling like the, the correct path. I don't know if that makes sense. Like it doesn't feel, I don't feel as scared when I take risks. Now, you know, I mean, the reality is when you do these things and they don't work out, that's what, what people are afraid of, right? If it doesn't work out. And I've, I've done deals like... Um, about a year ago, we had this, uh, this deal, this house that we wanted to buy, I had a, I had a lender lined up for it and everything was good to go. Had a buyer, I'm sorry, not a lender, a buyer, had a buyer lined up for it. And in our market, $300,000 house is kind of an expensive house. That's more of a high end house. And I had this buyer and he was good to go and he backed out at the last minute and I was pissed. Like I was really mad. I was like, you know what? I just decided this deal is going through. I'm going to figure it out. So within 24 hours, I found a lender who was willing to lend on the deal and I took it down myself. Now, if, if somebody would have t- grabbed me and said, let's look closer at this deal. Like, is this something you really want to, you want to stick your neck out for? Um, it, it maybe didn't make as much sense on paper, but I was so determined to get it done that I found the money, got it done and, and did the deal. And to be honest with you, it wasn't the best deal I've ever done. Like it didn't work out as well as I, as I wanted it to, but I had enough information to decide that it was worth the risk. And I, I just didn't overthink it. Like, you know, part of being a risk taker is not overanalyzing. Like it's important to do due diligence. There's no doubt about it. Like you don't want to be stupid, but the more you analyze something and talk yourself out of it, you're never going to, you're never going to do anything. So most of the stuff I've done in the last decade, if I had taken the time to analyze it and ask questions and go get a lawyer and ask them their opinion, like I would have done none of it. Right. I mean, a normal person would have not done it. So, um, for me, it's having just enough information to know that it's the right thing to do and then going for it and not, 
not dwelling on the consequences. Listen, I wouldn't drive my car if I thought, if I really analyzed all the things that could go wrong, right? Nobody would. So, you know, for me, yeah, it's risky, but it's, that's just, that's what I need to do to get to where I want to go. So it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel risky, but I know that it is. I get it because there's a lot of money at stake and most of what I do, a lot of money and not always my money. So you're using other people's money to do things that have no um, guaranteed outcome. And I think that's what makes it inherently risky, but I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah, it's interesting in that story that you told, there's a bunch of those traits that are coming out there, right? The problem solving, the visionary. So you had to see the solution, right? Very quickly. And then you're solving the problems and taking the risk to do it. And in that, like, I love the part where it says like, fail, try again and adapt. And these are calculated risks like it talks about. So for me, it's like it says big risk, big reward. And it's a calculated risk. It's the fact that I know that when I go out there and you know, do one of these deals. I, I'm going to take it. You're taking a risk in everything that we do. It's just, is the outcome worth the risk that we're going to take? And for some of us, you know, we're a lot more risk averse than we are, um, like really scared and tight on what we're going to do. And so has it always been that way for you? Like looking back when you were younger and a kid, was it, were you always a risk taker? I mean, I think that I was, I, I didn't have a business obviously when I was a kid. And, and when I started off in my career, I worked at a corporation, like I was in a corporate job. Right. Um, but I did take risk because, and I think risk, I, I don't know in the contest of, of risk, I don't think we're just talking about money and taking mm-hmm. risk with money and deals. Like I, for a long time was in martial arts. Right. And, and for a lot of people, they would not stand up in front of someone who clearly has more ability than them and who most likely will kick their butt. And, and I did, and I, I relished it. I knew that I was putting myself in harm's way. I knew that there was a, a, a decent chance. And this is, you make fun of me because I'm old and so I'll just date myself a little bit. Like this was back in the 80s when I was doing this and, and it wasn't as litigious and there just wasn't as much oversight into that kind of uh, industry as there is now where parents back are in the back watching now. It wasn't like that back then. When I, when I took martial arts back in the 80s, we were, it was in a gymnasium of a school after hours set 800 yards off of the main road. Like you almost had to know where you were going to find this place. And I was in a room with mostly adult men and we were fighting and, and there were no, there was no padding and there was no like real great oversight. And there were people legitimately getting hurt. So I would put myself in that situation four or five times a week, knowing I was probably going to come home with bruises and potentially something really hurt. And, and I, but I did it because I, I liked being in that environment. I liked being in an environment where there was some danger and there was some risk of getting hurt because I, I enjoyed what I was doing. Um, I, I don't think a lot of, a lot of other people would probably would have looked at it and said, why are you doing that? It's insane. You're just getting punched and, and bruised. And w- why would you do that? So as early as then I was, I was definitely doing that when it came to my career, even in the corporate world, uh, I had a very good job and it was in a sales position and I, I saw that I was in, in an environment where I didn't know that I could grow to where I wanted to go. So I did something that in that industry was kind of unheard of. So I worked in the automotive industry. I was in a sales position. It was considered white collar. You were in the office. It was kind of like there were a lot of perks and it was very comfortable and working environment. And most people went from a man, the manufacturing side of it and they aspired to get into that side of it, right? So they went from working with their hands and getting dirty and 
and they wanted to get into the office. Like that was sort of the trend. That was the, the, the migration was that direction. And I was in the office and I had that nice job and it was comfortable and nice working environment. But I realized that my salary had less potential than if I went the other way and got into more of a technical aspect of my industry. So I left the, the office and the ties and the, and the, and the dockers to go into uh, a manufacturing environment to learn the technical side, get dirty, punch in at six o'clock where normally I was strolling in at eight. I didn't, I didn't have to punch a time clock. I went the other direction. I was punching a time clock, going in at six o'clock, getting dirty, learning machinery, learning how to design things. And everyone was like, what are you doing? Why are you here? You were there and now you're here. And I'm like, because I know my earning potential is higher in this end. So uh, I did that, did that for a while, left companies, went to a completely different company to do something I had never done before within manufacturing. So I definitely took those risks and I saw the ability to, to better myself and rather than take what I knew I had and was kind of guaranteed and, and very comfortable, I, I absolutely did that in my, in my own, within the corporate world before I actually went out on my own. And, you know, going out on your own when you have, you know, uh, what your parents or other people might call like security, uh, I, I left all that and started my own business. So I, I, that's obviously a huge risk. And then when I did that, I was partners with my wife. So this is probably the first time that it occurred to me that I was a risk taker. Bef prior to that, it was just how I lived my life. It, it didn't seem all that incredible. But when I started my own business, my wife was my partner. And if she was here, I would say this to her. I'm not talking behind her back. She's not a risk taker. She is very risk averse. Risk scares her. She's very, she wants to be very secure and comfortable and have a surety. So she's a teacher. She had her job. I quit my job and started my business and she was my partner. And when we, we were flipping at the time, we we're house flippers and we would buy a house and I would go, let's go find more like right now. And she'd go, whoa, 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 hold on now. Let's, let's, let's finish this one. Let's make sure we make money. And then we'll find the next one. And I was like, I want to find another one now. And we would finish one and do another one. And then we would finish one, do another one. And it was killing me. I was like a, a racehorse that you were not letting run. And, you know, with the risks with flipping, sometimes it doesn't always work out. And we had a couple of deals that got real touch and go for a while. And she just said at some point, she's like, you know what? this is really hard for me. This is very stressful. And I think I would rather step out of the business, support you 100%, but let you go and, and do your thing because this up and down roller coaster of entrepreneur uh, life is not for me. I don't enjoy this. It's stressing me out. It's keeping me up at night. So I said, you know what, honey, that's fine. I support you and I just want you to be happy. And in the inside, I'm like, holy crap, we're going to really go. And, and really to be perfectly honest, uh, that's when my business kind of a hockey sticked. I went from doing one deal at a time to doing two and three and four and five deals at a time. And I was making like dozens of offers a week. I was getting a ton accepted and I had to raise money really fast. And that's when everything took off because it's like you, you took the governor off the race car. Like I was absolutely able to floor it and I did. And, and from that point forward, my business has just kind of continued to go up because I take risks and, and I, I put all the chips in the table and, and hope for the best. And it doesn't always work out. Like I don't want to imply by taking crazy risks, like nothing can go wrong. It can go wrong. That, that deal I told you about where I stubbornly said, I'm closing on this. I'm going to find the money. We lost a lot of money on that deal. Like it went horribly, 
but it didn't stop me from buying the next one. Like it didn't even come into play. And, and the weird thing about taking risks and not having that thing inside of you that holds you back, I think sometimes with, with certain people, and I'm one of them, I take risks and sometimes they pay off really big and sometimes they don't. When they don't pay off or when they actually hurt me, it doesn't have a huge impact on me. But the flip side of that is with risk takers, I think sometimes when it does pay off and they do really well, it also doesn't impact them that much. And I, I'm like that. That's why I said jokingly at the beginning, I might be dead inside because huge wins affect me similar to huge losses. I just, I, they, don't, they don't move the needle that much. So that's why I can take big risk, I think, because I don't get overly freaked out when they don't work out. I'm able to just compartmentalize that, learn from it, and move on to the next one and take another risk. Because the reality is when, when they do pay off, I mean, that, that's what we're going for, right? That's, that's the whole thing. And it sounds like a gambler's mentality, and I don't want to imply that. Ironically, I'm not a huge, I love to gamble, but I don't, I don't lose a lot of money because I, it, doesn't, it doesn't take me into that area where I can hurt myself necessarily. I gamble on things that I can have more control over, right? Business, I feel like even though we don't have total control, I ultimately am directing this ship. Like I'm running it. And I think risk takers also have that need to control because I need to know that the risks I'm taking are the risks that I'm taking. And, and that's, why, that's why I'm able to do it in business and able to do it in my career. And I've been, I've been doing it since day one. I just didn't think of myself as a risk taker until I was in business with my wife and there was a, just a humongous, because she's way on the other side of the scale. Like she's the less, the least risk taker you'd ever want to meet. She just doesn't like it. So um, I don't tell her what happens in business most of the time because she doesn't want to know. She's like, it just stresses me out. Don't tell me. So I, I think that's interesting, the big wins and the big losses, because I feel that same way. And there's probably a lot of people listening who are going, yeah, that's me too. And then somebody else said, well, man, if I just made $30,000 on a deal, I would, it would be, I would love it. And for, I feel like for me, it was, it kind of, I, this was inside of me. And when I look back as a, as a kid, it, a lot of it is just, I think about kind of the daredevil side of myself, like jumping off of cliffs and not being like, not being really scared of, of doing certain things or being adventurous. I see it in my son right now. My five-year-old is, he's, he's nuts. Like the kid is I've met him. I know. flipping around and he, he was upstairs in the playroom yesterday, just chasing the, his brothers around, ran into the wall, like didn't see the wall, just ran face first. He was looking over his shoulder and he just like, bounced back up. He's just nuts. And um, like flip. And I see it in my baby now too. And Lucas, he's turning two and he's standing up on the couch, like flipping down on the chairs, the padded chairs in our playroom now. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really uh, trouble. And they're wrestling like, and so I, I feel like that was the start of it. And just not really being too scared to take a risk. Now, I still am not a big, like, I wouldn't, I'm not really that interested in skydiving. And more of the thrill seeking is not necessarily what I'm talking about. But just in looking at things, seeing the world a little bit differently from risk side, I think. Yeah. And being a little bit more um, risk tolerant, right? And yep. so what we've got is, um, is thinking about that now, I, I feel like it's gotten worse over time, like my big wins and big losses. In the beginning, it's like, whoa, I've just made my whole annual income in the military now on two houses this year. That's incredible. And then it becomes, it almost is like you become desensitized to it a little bit, like you talked about. Yeah. So I think maybe we should come back to that because there's probably some people who are feeling that way. And I'm just wondering how we work through that now and really like make it make it feel different? Or what are the things that we get really excited about inside the business then if it's not that? So, but for now, like, 
I guess I'll ask the people that are listening to think about risk. Like, have you taken risks? Do you take risks? Like, how do you, how do you feel when you're taking a risk? What feels like a big risk? When Mike's talking about, you know, doing a bunch of houses or raising a bunch of money or uh, last second changes and things and looking at all the different scenarios, like, do you take calculated risks or do you feel like you get stuck? Like, are you, are you, do you look at a problem and see like, okay, this, there's, there's a risk here. The reward is big. The risk is big. I'm just going to say no. Like, what does that look like for you? Because I think that's what we're trying to diagnose here with hopefully some of our stories behind what we're doing. But if you're at that place where you're feeling like you just are really risk averse, you're, you sound like, you know, Mike's wife of just, let's just do one house, then we'll do another. Don't leave your job. Um, I'm worried. I kind of like attribute this to some of the things that we've been talking about lately with this. You have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D and all those things. And you're not just all in on something. It's uh, I feel like for me and you, we're just kind of like all in on something. If we're, yeah. we're going, we'll take the risk and, and I, I believe in myself, you know, kind of betting on myself. Right. Uh, I think about it, like, are you a little bit rebellious? Like, do you kind of go against the grain a little bit or are you kind of following, following the leader with everybody else? Is that what it's like? So, yeah, I, I think re- it's interesting. These traits that you're talking about rebellious, like, yeah, I am rebellious. But again, I, I think when you are an ultimate risk taker, when you're truly a risk taker and not trying to, to be a risk taker or trying to convince yourself to take risks, it doesn't feel rebellious as much as it feels like blazing your own path. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you blaze a path or when you decide I'm not going to do what all my friends do and I'm, I'm going to like focus on this and I'm going to build this business and I'm going to raise this money and do these amount of deals and hire these people. It, it's, it's rebellious in the sense that it's not normal in society. That's not what most quote normal people do. So yeah, definitely rebellious. And, and I think, it comes down to like, are you, are you like uh, inquisitive? Do you sometimes rebellious is like when people go, this is what we're going to do. And you go, why, why are we doing it that way? That doesn't make any sense. Let's do it this way. Right. It's almost like you're being obstinate. Like you're kind of just being difficult. I've been called difficult more times than I can ever imagine. I think sometimes difficult and rebellious go hand in hand, right? Sometimes difficult can just be difficult for the sake of being difficult. I get it. But for me, it's, it's impossible for me to move forward with something if I don't understand why we're doing it or I don't think, if I don't think it's the right way to go, it's difficult for me to move forward. And I think that makes me rebellious. And that's why in the corporate world, definitely with a lot of people I work with, it, I, I wasn't making friends every single day because if they asked me to do something or they were doing something that clearly uh, was not moving us in the right direction. I had a hard time doing it. I had a hard time towing the line. And, and so rebellious in that sense, absolutely. And, and it wasn't just because I, it wasn't my way. It's like, listen, we're, we're going to do something that lessons learned has shown us won't work. We've done this before. I know you're new to the department, but we've done this and it doesn't work. And we've done exactly what you're asking us to do. We should not do that again, right? Like I can't just follow orders because of the orders. And it's why I, I probably would not have been great in the military. But yeah, that, that I think just being rebellious is part of taking risk. It goes hand in hand. You, I don't know if you can take be a risk taker without at the same time being a little rebellious. Well, I, I agree. But I, I think if we go back to the, the idea, each one of these traits can be looked at two ways. Like it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, right? right. And right. when we come back to it, we're trying to really figure out, are we entrepreneurs or not? Because the entrepreneurs are rebellious. They're, they're the, like the 
the, yeah. going against the grain, not the status quo. Like they're the 1% of the population out there that's going to change the world, right? And that's yeah. going to do those things that, and we talked about like the scale of an entrepreneur or two, right? On a call with me, me and Gino. And he talked about the Elon Musk's, the Walt Disney's, like the, the tens on the scale. Like those are the people who are just like, oh, like the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of these entrepreneurs. And these traits are so strong. It's just crazy in them. And yeah. so I, as an engineer, of course, I asked him, well, like, does it matter where you are on the scale? And he's like, of course, an engineer would ask that because you want to know what number you are on the scale. Are you a five? Are you a six? Yeah. Are you an eight? Does it matter where you are? You just have the trade or you don't. There are different levels of that trait and they can be really strong or they can, but you have to have them. Like the, the question comes back to like, are you afraid to just jump into something? Are you to take the plunge into the unknown? Are you scared? Are you willing to take the risk because you see the outcome? You see the potential reward. It's not guaranteed, like you said, but what does that look like for you? Because I think entrepreneurs think differently and that's okay. This is not a bad thing, but there's a lot of people that might listen to this and go, I'm not a risk taker. Are you crazy? No way. Um, I, I don't do that. I don't feel like that. I'm not rebellious. I, I'm going to go with the grain. I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do what I do. I'm going to keep my safe job and I would like to dabble in this and that's okay. You're, you probably have some entrepreneurial spirit or a drive or something, but you're yeah. just not this kind of like core entrepreneur. And I, I, we're bringing on the podcast core, like to the bone entrepreneurs who yeah. will likely never be able to work for somebody again, never have, they just, they are going to do their own thing. They see the world totally different. And that's, that's who we're talking to right now. It's like, is that you or not? And if it's not you, it's not bad. Like we're not trying to say, well, Mike has this and I have this and this is the way that yeah. we see things. And I do think that my scale has gone up over time for all this stuff. Or it, maybe it's just potential that hasn't been tapped into. Like I just haven't realized it, right? So yeah. I was a kid and I was crazy going off these jumps with my BMX bike and my rollerblades and my skateboard and all that stuff. And it was just, it was there. And then I became like boring uh, obvious. I mean, I don't know. I guess I was flying airplanes and helicopters. Just, a lot of people be like, that's totally risky, right? That's the test pilot things boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, that, those kind of things, they never really like scared me when I got in the airplane or helicopter. I felt like I was in control. Yeah. You know, I, it was up yeah. to me to, to do it. So it wasn't me. Like whenever I think about some things that I'm a little bit uh, scared to do or, um, or things that concern me a little bit as far as the risk doesn't outweigh the reward. For me, it's like, it's like skydiving for me. That, that's a thing that I just, I just feel like the outcome of that, like that my um, calculated risk just doesn't seem like it would be that thrilling for me that I would be so excited that if I do plunge to my death and my, my wife and my kids are left without a father and without a husband, that really, that reward is just not there for me. But yeah. all the other things that I do, I mean, I have my own airplane and I, I fly around that some people could see that as, as very risky, right? Why would you do that when you have a family and kids? So um, all of that stuff. So I kind of look at that and say, well, I'm, I'm skilled in that. I have thousands of hours. I'm in control. I understand what to do if something goes wrong, uh, but I can't control everything, right? And believe me, driving my bags and my family down to the airplane, which is 15 minutes away, getting in and taking off and not having to go through security and all this other stuff is, for me, that reward is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You're That's huge. I, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. And I think, you know, there's a couple of things, there's a couple of traits that, that kind of lend himself well to risk taking and it, they're not always positive. You talked about it being positive and negative. I, I guarantee some of the decisions that I make in the course of a day or a week, if I just told everyone I knew what I was doing, just like just broadcast all my decisions, they'd go, you are insane. Why would you do that? Right. They're just decisions. But when, when, entrepreneur meets 
not detail oriented meets highly impatient, you get a risk taker. And I think that's, those are some of the, the, the elements that, that make me a risk, risk taker. I don't want to read a manual on something, right? I can't, I can't do it. It'll freak me out. I, the thought of it freaks me out. So I'm impatient. I, I'm, I'm not super into the details. So if you hand me like a prospectus or you hand me something that explains the risk, I might skim it. I'm not going to read it, right? So I sort of shield myself from overanalyzing because I don't like to analyze, frankly. So um, I would rather do it and, and get into it and figure it out than pre-plan everything. I just, I'm too impatient and, I'm, and I don't have enough level of detail to do that. So that does make me a risk taker because I'll do things without having all of the information. I'll get enough information. I'll get enough information that makes me feel comfortable enough to do it but I don't think that amount of information would make most people feel comfortable enough. Um, I, I was asked a long time ago, like when it comes to marketing, right? We all do marketing in our business to try to drive leads into our company. And it's like, well, how much would you spend on marketing? That was the question that was asked me. How much would you, how much do you spend? Not how much do you spend? How much would you spend on marketing? And I said, if there's a return there, like let's just say it's a four to one return. I spend a thousand dollars. I make 4,000. I will spend whatever's at my disposal. I'll borrow more. Like, why would I not spend every bit I can when, when I'm seeing the re, that return, right? Now, you might look at it and go, well, you know there's a return. Yeah, that's true. But what if I said, it's a four, it's a four to one return, but I want you to give me $1,000, right? That's, that's what your commitment is. Most people go, great, here's $1,000. I want $10,000. I want $20,000. Where would you stop, right? And most people have a line where they'll go, well, I'll do 5,000, but I'm not, that's, that's a lot of money. I'm not spending more than that. I look at it and say, I'm going to empty the bank because I know that the return is there. Like I've seen this, this pat, like I know that it's going to work. So I'm willing to empty the bank to do that. Where I think a lot of people uh, would say, mm, it doesn't matter. I'm going, I'm going to stop at this because I'm uncomfortable with anything past that. Like I don't have that that thing. But to me, it's impatience too, right? You, you'll take tremendous risks if you, if you can't stand the thought of waiting. And I can't stand the thought of waiting. So that's kind of how I built my business. I've done it quickly because I can't stand the thought of a slow and steady business that gets where I want it to be in 15 years. Like to me, 15 years is 150 years. I, it's too far for me to, to get excited about. I need to know what's going to happen like this week, this month, this year, and then I can drive toward that. But yeah, I, I think what's, and this is a cliche and it sounds absolutely like BS, but it's not. What scares me is if I stop taking the risks and things don't go well and I have to go back to a corporate environment, like that scares me. I'll, I'll do anything to stay out of that situation. So I think some people have a fear of success. I definitely have a fear of failure. Like I'm driven to take risks because I don't ever want to stop calling the shots for myself. And, and sometimes if you're not growing, if you're not moving forward, you're regressing. And if I'm regressing, I'm getting closer to the place I used to be that I don't want to be in, in my career. So my only, I look at it as my only option is to continue to take risks so that I can continue to go in the direction I want to go. I want to put like two caveats in there. One on the marketing thing, because uh, there might be somebody out there spending two thousand yeah, dollars a I month know. who's going. You know what? I'm going to go spend fifty thousand a month because yeah, I'm getting I a four know. to one return. And the reason I say that, I bring that up, is because there is a point of like you have to slowly ramp that thing up, right? You have to yeah. see what's the return and constantly iterate it. And it doesn't have to be super slow, but 
going from, if you're spending $500 a month right now and you go spend, because you're getting a five to one return and you go spend 10,000 a month, it's not going to be linear guys. So just yeah. a quick caveat, but I know we, <laughs> I know that you, you totally agree with that, yeah. but I just want to make sure somebody may have take, could take that out of context. Um, and then the failure side, you said you're afraid to fail, but I think that's like, that, that's, I think you're afraid, like we're all afraid of this, like total failure. It, it's, it's really not failure. It's just like stopping. Like we're afraid to stop, I think, because yeah. I mean, we fail all the time on a regular basis. And part of, yeah. part of being a risk taker is knowing that failure is okay. Like we, but we, what we do is we iterate that, right? We try again, we adapt, we make a change and then we keep failing. And the failing we know is progress. Like we, we screw up and I don't know, maybe you don't want to call it failure. Maybe you want to call it something else. You maybe call it stopping, but I really feel like we, as risk takers, we're just going like, we don't even think that we can, we're so confident in ourselves and our abilities and what can happen, like we're really um, de- like dedicated to that, that we're willing to take the risk because we know it's on our shoulders. Like we want the ball at the last second. We're the yeah. people who want the ball. And that comes with some of the, the drive and some of the problem solving and some of the visionary stuff. But in the risk taking, I feel like, like we fail on a regular basis. It's not being like, uh, the, the people who are afraid to fail are the people who really in that failure is like just afraid to get started because they're looking at the results saying, I'm not sure if this is going to get that result or not. Like, what if I work really hard and I don't get the outcome that I want? Then the time was kind of wasted and now I'm stuck here doing the same thing and I quit my job and now I don't have any income. And that, that they get into this loop of just not even doing anything or, or going like halfway where we're just like all in from the beginning because we are confident and we're willing to take the risk and we're willing to try something. But so many times I've tried something new and it hasn't worked in my business and I failed and I'm okay with that. So all I do is iterate it. All I do is make a change. And I, I just shared something inside the group that I think could needs to be shared here is the speed at which we make that change and iterate and adapt is the success for us of entrepreneurship. Like right. the faster we can make a change, iterate, see things coming and make those changes and adapt to like take the risk, fail, make the change, adjust, and keep going and keep iterating and not be comfortable. Like you said, you're uncomfortable just kind of like coasting. So a lot of times, I do want to get into some of the problems that come with this, like the things that we could screw up in our own business. But the biggest one that I see a lot of times is when everything's going fine and we're on cruise control, I'm like, all right, what's, I got to shift into the next gear. Like what's next for us? What can I screw up? What can I break so that I have something to fix? And that goes a little bit to the problem solving, but I'll take, take a, maybe an unnecessary risk to, cause I know that the outcome is like, there's 10% chance of success and 90% chance of failure. And if we do fail, then we're going to have to make a change and make some adjustments and I'm going to get to play in the business again. Yeah. So I don't know. I just said a lot there, but yeah, I, I want to, I want to jump into cause you're right. So everything is about perspective and I think sometimes it's hard for me. So for me, failure is going back to conventional life, right? Going back to working a nine to five, when I say I'm afraid of failure, to me, that's failure. Failure is the failure to take the risks required to keep me moving forward and, and getting, getting where I want to go, right? Heading back to a nine to five job and, and working in a corporate environment, like that's failure. And that, that happening is what I don't, that's what I'm afraid of, right? So to me, taking risks, it, it, it's the vehicle to, to move me forward. But um, anyway, so, so I think it's not that transactional failure. It's not that financial failure and taking risks and, and, and having them not work out. Like ultimately not taking those risks is the ultimate. But anyways, yeah, I think coasting, you, you bring up a good point. It's, you know, 
it's impatience. It's, it's boredom. Like I think risk takers get bored easy. I think they're very impatient. So when the company is plodding along, but you don't see enough jump in, in growth and you don't see enough movement in the business, it, it drives you a little crazy. So you go in there, like you said, and sometimes break things, sometimes change things and it doesn't work out because that plodding along is, is mind numbing, right? It's just like that, the water drip on the forehead. Like it's just, it, it drives you crazy to see something plodding along when you know, if you just apply a little bit of gasoline to it, you can ignite it and make it go a little further. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough for people, I think, in our situation, in our world to, to just watch something slowly move along. You know, it's just it, something has to be broken or built or it, it becomes a little bit monotonous. Yeah. And I think that's the struggle that we have a lot of times as entrepreneurs is we're constantly, and that, that's a lot of times why in, a, in a, the accountability charts and where we sit, if you're running the company day-to-day operations as the entrepreneur, the visionary of the company, that's a bad place to be. Like we, we're constantly just screwing things up. We're throwing out a bunch of ideas that the staff doesn't really know where to go. And we yeah. talk about that in the visionary side of things and a lot of the other things that we do. But as far as the risk side goes, it's nice to have somebody that can come in and help mitigate that risk a little bit and really kind of ask you questions and ping pong it back and forth to really see is, is the reward worth the risk in a business once you start growing. In the beginning, to get any of these things started, like nobody can hold you back. If people are holding you back in the beginning as you're ramping up this business, it, like you said, you had the governor on in the beginning and w- w- when your business really took off was when the governor, which ha- happened to be Nanette, <laughs> came off of the business, right? And then you were just ready to, to blow it out of the water. But at some point, in that journey, you need a limiter of some sort to come back on and say, hey, because like, it just gets out of control at some point. We I was just doing all kinds of crazy deals. I was all over the place and I needed uh, a little bit more just kind of focus for me as the entrepreneur. And then when my energy gets focused, it's like a laser, you know, all that light spread apart is just light up your room. You focus it down. It's a laser that can cut diamonds. You know, and so now if you could focus on the things that you're really, really good at, the things that you could like building big relationships, removing barriers, like finding those big, the next big thing, like that's where you should be focused on instead of the drawing up the paperwork or dotting I's and crossing the T's. um, And then you can build a business out from that. So I think one of the problems is entrepreneurs stay in their business too long. Like a true entrepreneur, a true risk taker stays in that business too long and isn't working themselves out and finding a way to get out of there. So they can either start another one or grow that one to and stay really high level instead of getting into details. We get the details. It's like, yeah, just- I, I think you're right. I think entrepreneurs and especially high, high risk takers, they, they are rocket fuel, right? It's required. Rocket fuel is required to get the rocket off the ground right? You have to have a lot of energy, a lot of like just push and thrust to get that rocket off the ground. But having all of that firepower going all the time, you're right. I think it does need to be focused a little bit or you're going to end up just bouncing all over the place at a certain point. Um, but like you, you mentioned in my business, in the beginning, getting off the ground with that governor is difficult, right? So it needed that, that risk taking. And, and for me, that meant like instead of making one offer at a time, I was making 10 offers at a time. Like that's just what it required for me to get off the ground where I wanted to be. So once I was able to do that and, and make those offers and take those risks in the beginning, it allowed me to get my business off the ground. And then you know the rest of the story, right? Like we started hiring and, and that's a whole thing too. Like you're bringing on people into your company who you are responsible for. You're, you feel at least responsible for their 
livelihood and for their income. So bringing people on, training them and letting go of stuff, like even letting go is risk sometimes, right? You have this thing that you build, it's generating money, it's, it's providing you what you have and then you hire people and trust them to do it. Like that's risk, right? So some people get stopped at that point. They don't want to hire because, I mean, I, my, my father-in-law runs his own business. He has for, geez, 45 years. He's, he does appliance repair and he's awesome at it. And, and I've sort of asked him like, why don't, why don't you just hire a few people and you could do more jobs? Like you don't, otherwise, because he does them all himself. He's always done them all himself. And he's like, I don't want to be responsible for people. I don't want to be responsible if they, if we're not doing well, if the business doesn't do well, they're not going to make money. I have to fire them. Like I, what if they do a bad job? What if they offend somebody? Like, I don't want to deal with any of that. He doesn't have, a, but he's an entrepreneur. So he obviously takes risks. He went out on his own and built this company. He just doesn't want to hire people. He doesn't want that responsibility, that, that headache. So it sort of stops right there. Like he was a risk taker. He got to a point and then he, went, he, he stopped wanting to take risks. He was happy where he was and, and he's allowed his company to kind of just go from that point, which is totally cool. That's, that's the way he wants to do it. Me, I just look at it and go, my gosh, he's turning, he's turning appointments down because he's too busy. It's like, oh, hire somebody, you know, but it's just not what he wants to do. So, you know, hiring in itself is risk and that requi- that's required though if you, want to, if you want to make those leaps and you want to take your, your company to another level it's tough. You know, Andy uh, has that saying, you can stay small and keep it all. It's fine. You can do that, but you're keeping all of a very finite thing. You can't, it's not infinite. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's one of the biggest risks I've taken is just bringing on employees. I took on a partner, like all these things are introducing a level of risk that I, I do it without even thinking. Like it doesn't feel risky, but I know that it is because I've seen other people stop before they get to that point. Yeah, I, I can relate to the hiring thing because that was the first conversation I had with Andy was I don't I had that exact same comments. I don't want to hire somebody. I don't want to be responsible for them. I don't want to be, if I have to let them go, they, they have kids. Like, what if, what if, what if, right? And it took me about a week to analyze that and say, all right, what's, what's the worst that can happen? And I think that was just, that's part of the growth. Everybody's got something. Everything that you just said brings me to a place of thinking about what happens if you don't have this. And what if you don't have this trait or you're sitting there going, I'm not really a risk taker. Like what? And I, the word that comes to my mind is tomorrow. Like, I feel like these people are always going, uh, I'll do that tomorrow or I'll try that tomorrow. Or we'll get to it. Or once the kids are out of school or once we have enough money saved up or once I've gotten to this point in my job, I'll try it. Like I'll yep. take that risk when, and it's usually tomorrow and tomorrow never comes. Yep. Like, um, and so I think that that's the case with a lot of this. It's, um, you look for an excuse and a reason not to do something instead yep. of saying like, I can't, I won't, all of these things. It's just, um, it becomes when. It's a timing of when and that really should define to you that you're probably not the biggest risk taker if it's just tomorrow or another time or I'll yep. get to it when dot, dot, dot. And th- I think that's the real good like litmus test of are you this or are you just kind of afraid to take that leap and it's okay. Like that's okay. If you're, I think, Like all that's telling you is you can still go leave your job, start the business like Mike's father-in-law. You might just not hit a certain level, right? You're going to get to a point. You're entrepreneurial. You might not be the biggest entrepreneur. You might not be the person who's going to start the next Apple or the next uh, Disney World or things like that. But I mean, you're going to hit some level of success and that's kind of going to be the the top until you can maybe attach yourself to a, a true entrepreneur. Somebody who can just blow it out of the water. So by no means should this series be driving you guys towards 
like stopping or not going out there or quitting your side hustle. It's just kind of to spark some of these things to try to figure out who you are. And because I think my biggest push in all of this is if you know who you are, you know your core values, you know who you are, you know what your strong suits are, then you know how to design your life, your business, everything that you do. You can do it in an intentional manner instead of finding out the hard way, jumping in, quitting your job, trying to do all these things and realizing, I hate this. You know, I'd much rather you go out of the gate swinging knowing that this is for you. And hopefully this series is helping you do that. Decide, yeah, I'm that, I'm that, I'm that. Ah, I'm okay here. I need to maybe work on it a little bit or I need to bring somebody in who is this to help me or I need to be around the people who have that to help me um, and just realize that that might stop, stop you and slow you down a little bit. And uh, it might not be the end of the world. No, it's not. And, and being a, like, I don't, being a risk taker or like a huge risk taker, it's not good or bad. It's just, it is what it is, right? You, it's you or it's not. And if you, you know, if you have the side hustle and you're making a little money on the side, but you like your job and, but it brings extra income and allows you to pay some things off or pay for college or whatever. Like, that's awesome. That's cool. If you quit your job and you do this and you're like, I don't want to hire, I just want to stay at the size. I'm making this income and it feels comfortable for me and I'm happy. I don't have this huge desire to grow my company and hire a bunch of people. That's awesome too. It's not, I, I don't want to, you're right. I don't want people to leave this going, well, I shouldn't even bother because I don't take, I don't want to take big risks. Like it's not whether or not you taking the risks, it's not, it's not a positive or a negative. It just, it is what it is. You either are that or you're not. And, and if you're not, that's cool. And if you are, that's fine. But just realize that if you are, and that's who you are, like own it, like just, just be that. And I, you know, especially when I started off when my wife and I were partners, it, I knew it was driving me crazy that we weren't doing more, but I didn't realize what was exactly happening. And it had to like start becoming clearer to me. And when she stepped out of the business, and I started doing what I wanted to do, I realized, oh crap, this feels good. This is what I wanted to do all along. I just, I was just sort of playing along the rules with my wife because I didn't want to piss her off and, or scare her to death because we, we have to coexist here. But, um, but once I had that removed and I wasn't in a corporate job and it was all me, it was all my decision, I could do whatever I wanted, I realized always I took the risk. Like I, there was not much that I did at that time that wasn't pretty risky, you know, and I was a small business doing very few deals at the time. So it was sort of like, you make money, you shove it all back in the table, you make more money, you shove it all back. And that's why there was exponential growth, because I took risks, it could have been a lot slower if I just decided, all right, I'm going to take all this profit, and I'm going to take 5% and 5% will be put back into the company. I was putting like all of it back in the company all the time. So but not everyone's comfortable with that. Yep. And I did that in the beginning. For me, it was um, just putting it all back into the company so I could grow fast. And I wanted to grow fast. I wanted to get to that point. And I just did it that over and over and over again. The, yep. the interesting thing is uh, Gino talks about this. He's got a, a section in the book that says not having the risk taker trait. So he talks about what if you don't have these traits? And we touched on them a little bit on our podcast, but he gave three decision-making philosophies in this chapter. And I think it's important to point out to you guys. So I'll read them. The, the first one is, it's more important that you decide than what you decide. So just making a decision is more important than what decision you make. And I say this a lot. It's like, I think the biggest, the risk takers, are, you, and you mentioned in the beginning, you take all the information in that's needed, you analyze it quickly and you make a decision. And I think really good entrepreneurs is interesting because I've always said entrepreneurs are great decision makers. They're, 
They can make a decision pretty quick with the information that they have. And then if it's not the right one, then they know how to get more information, analyze it quickly and make a decision again and continue to iterate that cycle and have that feedback loop. So uh, more important that you decide than what you decide. Number two is just get it 80% right the first time. Like it doesn't have to be the exact perfect solution. That's why a lot of people say engineers are really tough becoming entrepreneurs and doing this business. So when I tell people I have an engineering background and this kind of analytical mind and things like that, they look at me like, oh, you're never going to make it. Or especially, I remember talking to Justin the first time when I was applying for seven figure flipping. He's like, oh, this guy's, he's not going to make it. And he started, I was analyzing things. And in that first meeting, I'm asking a lot of questions and gathering information and data and probably just thinks they're going to spin his wheels. Because a lot of those analytical like math majors and scientists and engineers, they're constantly like trying to get it perfect, right? Yep. So just being able to get the 80% solution and going, I think is one of the most important things. And then number three is if you have 70% of the information and feel 70% confident, move forward. Like even if you don't have all the information, but you feel good about it, just go. And that's this kind of quick decision. Make a decision. Let's go. We can get more information along the way. And I think a lot of that might be the aviation side of me is flying helicopters. We have to make quick decisions. Our mission changes like that. So, you know, somebody ejects, there's a, a shipwreck off the coast that you have to go to go from one mission to another mission right away. And you're kind of the jack of all trades and you have to be able to just kind of jump in and make a decision based on the information that you got. And you're constantly trained on that as a, as a helicopter aircraft commander, you're constantly just okay, they're running scenarios through you nonstop. What would you do if this happened? Then this happened, then this happened. Make a decision, go, go, go. And you just have to be able to stand at the the table at the end of the day when it's all said and done and say, I made that decision because of this, this, and this. And they might say, you made a great decision. They might say, well, you probably should have done this differently. Well, you know, that's the decision that I made. I stand by it. And that's the kind of risk-taking side in these decision-making philosophies. So more important that you decide than what you decide. Just get it 80% right the first time. And if you have 70% of the information and feel 70% confident, move forward. I, I really love that because they, you get in this analysis paralysis. You get in this, you guys have heard that a ton in real estate business. And this application to business here is, you know, when it's time to make a decision, you can't freeze up. You can't overanalyze everything. You have to just go. And a lot of times the people that I see that, that have trouble, they're constantly second guessing themselves. They're not certain. They're not confident. They're, um, and it probably comes from a lot of this. They're just like not the most, not the biggest risk takers. They see the reward. They see that it's big. They're excited about it, but they're just not ready to jump in and, and go grab it or, or take the, the necessary actions that are required to get there because they're, they don't want to take the, take the risk. They want the easy way, right? The easy button to get there. Yeah. It, for, for most people, listen, there's a reason why, like they say, you know, if you go against the grain or the, the, the path you know, less traveled kind of a thing. The reason it's less traveled is because most people are on the main path, right? So it's for, for most people to go in the different direction than the herd, it's uncomfortable and it's, it's difficult, right? It's the people who go, yeah, but that's not where I want to go. That's not, I don't want to be where they, where they're going to end up anyway. So I'm going to go in this other direction. So I think, you know, I go back to impatient, I think that high risk takers for sure have a level of that on some level because 
I'll never take the time to learn 100% of the information. I, I won't. So inherently, I have to go with 70%. And the fact of the matter is you never have 100% of the information because no matter what you're trying to analyze, there's always more data that you can analyze. And that's the analysis paralysis because people get all the data and then they realize, oh, there's another book I could read. There's another data set that I could analyze. There's somebody else I could talk to them about. Like you can do that infinitely, right? You could do that forever. So um, that analysis paralysis is all about, and that's why I would never be an engineer because I, I just don't have that level of, of detail. So yeah, I, I love that too, that, you know, making a decision is, is number one, like that's key. You have to be a decision maker. And if you're, listen, if you're given half of the, or 70% of the information, you're making decisions, statistically speaking, you're going to make mistakes for sure, because you don't have all the information. But I think the people who get freaked out by the mistakes or the mistakes derail them or they can't recover, that's when, that's when risk-taking obviously stops. And that's when decisions stop. When you're afraid of making a mistake, you're afraid of making decisions, the risks stop there. And that's, again, not everyone's built for that. Some people, it will paralyze them and it will be very uncomfortable. And, and it's just, they're, they're going to be living in a world that they hate all the time. But for risk takers, the opposite is true. Not taking risks and living in that safe world and walking on that path that everyone else is on, that's what drives them crazy. And that's what makes them uncomfortable all the time. It's weird. I, I've never even told anybody this, but, and it's, this is, I don't know if this is so much risk taking, but I think it is. When I worked uh, before I even worked in corporate, I was a teenager. I, my first, second real job, I guess, the second one I had, um, was that a, it was, it doesn't really matter. It was in an, it was like a print shop. So I, I worked in a print shop, um, printing off brochures and business cards. And I remember back then even thinking like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be right now. Like, I know this is just a teenager job and, but this life of going in, punching a clock, doing this routine thing every single day, this doesn't feel right. Like, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This doesn't feel like where, where I need to be because I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I have no control over any of this. I just walk in and do this job every day. And I remember thinking, man, this is uncomfortable. And it took me a while because I went into corporate life and I, I did that for a while. But to me, like trying to get ahead and doing that whole thing was exciting for a while. And I felt like I was taking some risks until it got to be routine. And then I was like, this doesn't feel like it's, it's not working for me. I'm not able to take any real risk to make anything different for myself. So it's like every time in my life, I can see the pattern as I go back, even to my first job, every time it got to be a routine where it felt very safe, I became uncomfortable with the situation and I changed it and I would either upgrade my job or learn a new part of my trade so that I could advance. But once I got to a certain point, I realized this all is leading to being able to make all my own decisions because that's where I, I had to be in order to stay. Now it doesn't get comfortable because I don't let it. I keep changing and making decisions and putting myself in a situation where I have to sink or swim a little bit. And I think to me, that's how I'm energized. Some people, it's not how they're energized. Like you said, I, I have a family member who may or may not listen to this podcast, so I won't mention their name, but um, it's always after this thing, like, hey, I'm going to do that after, you know, for this time of the year, after Easter, then I'll start. That's my line in the sand. And then it's like, well, after school gets out, I'll, I'll do this thing. Well, I'm going to be gone in the summertime a lot. So once summer's over and fall hits, then I'll start doing that thing. And it's always after some future date that makes them feel comfortable that they don't have to start doing anything. And you're right. That's, that's a definitely a trait of someone who is not a risk taker. Yeah. I think 
I think it's, if you're listening to this right now, you know where you stand. Like you're, you are, you aren't, or you're somewhere, you're somewhere there, right? You're some, you, maybe you're, you're willing to, or hopefully we pushed you to a place, like not forcefully, but got you to the point where you go, you know what? You're right. I just do have to make a decision. Either this is for me or it's not for me. Yep. And because it, tomorrow is never going to come. So if you keep saying tomorrow and keep saying tomorrow and you keep listening, I see people a lot. They'll come to our events. They'll, they'll attend, they'll, they'll listen to podcasts. They'll respond to the emails. They'll post in the Facebook groups that we have and they'll just, they want to start, but they just have an excuse all the time. And it's just, look, you guys, you've got to go out and do something, take action. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fall over. It's okay to trip. It's okay to make a change and adapt and adjust. And it's okay to put something at risk. But for you guys that are not as big a risk takers as us, then it's probably a smaller thing that you put at risk and you try it out. And if it doesn't work for you, then okay, maybe it's time to hang it up. But my push for you guys today is to go out there and make a decision, like take action, go start your business, go send out that first postcard, go knock on that door, go talk to that first private money lender, go make that first offer on a flip that you want to do, go find some contractors, whatever's stopping you and scaring you and holding you back is just take that step and see how it feels. Because I was afraid to hire somebody. Like I'm sitting here talking about how big of a risk taker I am. And I totally agree with this, but I was right in your shoes. I was exactly where you are. I was afraid to hire somebody. I said, no, I like shrieked on the phone. I was like shivering in fear, hung up the phone. And it took me a week to say, okay, I'll try this and got out of my comfort zone, made the uncomfortable decision. I basically was probably calculating the risk and looking at the reward and all of those things. And it, what he said made sense. And I went out and did it, hired my first person. And then I was off to the races. Like Mike said, that was it. That was the catalyst. Once I did that, now I'll hire somebody to do just about anything. Like somebody was hanging, I hate to say it, but somebody's hanging up shelves in my garage the other day because I'm in here making uh, podcasts and doing the things that I need to be doing. And I can pay a couple hundred bucks to have somebody you know, hang the shelves in the garage that I have to, I'll straighten the garage up, but I'm not going to go do that stuff. So that now everybody, somebody's cutting the grass, somebody's helping out. So I can do the things that I should be doing that I love to do that fill me up. If I spent the whole day in there, like drilling into the garage and hanging those things and they were like off level and my wife's all pissed at me. It just, it just wouldn't go well. Like, and my, I wouldn't feel good and I wouldn't have gotten the other things accomplished that do make me feel good. So I'm going to push you guys, go take action, go do something. If you want to hang out with a bunch of entrepreneurs and be around us, you know where to find us. Like go to sevenfigureflipping.com and check out our mastermind groups, check out our live events, all the things we do, share this podcast. If you know an entrepreneur that needs to hear this, share this with them. Like this, this message of entrepreneurship spans way past just the real estate industry and what we do. Like this is a perfect series to share with somebody that you know who would love to figure out if they're an entrepreneur. If you think that they're an entrepreneur and you know it, you need to tap them on the shoulder and tell them. I wish somebody told me like 20 years ago that I had this thing in me because it would have changed everything for me. Um, I don't know where I'd be right now, but I'm, I, I, I should have known like, Seriously, my dad should have told me when I was like hawking baseball cards or getting in trouble for selling candy at school and almost getting kicked out. Like yeah. they should have uh, just said, hey, son, you need, to, you need to explore this talent. He was like, go in the military, go to college, do all this stuff. <laughs> and I don't, I don't hold it against them, but yeah. I kind of wish that this like secret was unlocked in me and I just knew what I was. It's like you have this like superpower, you know, and it's like yeah. you're, you're hold, somebody's holding you back and you're held back until, I don't know, I was like 35 and it was... Man, if I was, 
I see some of the 18 or 20 year olds in our mastermind group and in this space, it's just an incredible opportunity they have. So um, I'm going to encourage you today to go out there and take a risk, any risk, like if you're, and just start expanding that and seeing how it feels like push up against the barrier a little bit and get uncomfortable because that's where growth happens, right? In life and business and everything that we do, growth happens in the uncomfortable side. So if you just take that one step past where you feel really comfortable, that's where you need to live. If you're going to push yourself in anything at any level, if you're like, so anti-risk, just take a little one and then take a little, go a little bit further. At some point, you're just going to get so uncomfortable and have to turn around and go back potentially. But um, for us, it's about taking the next step and the next step and the next step. Like we're doing a $12 million deal right now. I'm very uncomfortable in a $12 million deal as <laughs> trying to raise the money and be the person to go do that. I'm a little bit uncomfortable in that. We're doing this big land development deal. I'm uncomfortable in that. You know, it's not something that I know that I'm used to, but yeah. that's where we're growing and we're evolving and we're changing and we're seeing how it feels and seeing if we can do it. Well, you mentioned it, Bill. I mean, if you're uncomfortable with risk, but you kind of, you want to take some, some chances and you want to take a little bit of risk, like you said, start by taking small risks. But one of the best ways to feel a little more comfortable with some of this risk taking is surrounding yourself with people who are also taking risk, right? It's like, it, it's, it seems easier when you surround yourself with like-minded people. So that's huge. And I know that was definitely, I think even for you, right? When you were sitting in that room initially and you were asking a bunch of questions, have you never sat in that room and never surrounded yourself with those people? Would you have? Maybe, I don't know, but maybe not then. You, it might've taken you even longer to, to figure that out, but you start surrounding yourself. It's like, wait, oh, you're taking those risks and you're taking them and you're taking them. Oh, it worked for you. It worked for you too. Like you start, it, it gives you the confidence to, to do it. Sometimes it's just like, some people need to see a little bit of proof, a little bit of evidence, especially those, those uh, uh, engineering minds. And you start seeing a little bit of evidence, it empowers you and makes you feel a little bit more confident to take those risks. So um, definitely surrounding yourself with people who are risk takers will certainly pull that out of you. If it's in there, it'll pull it out for sure. Yeah, it, it just showed me that I thought I was a big deal, right? And it was just a joke. And I think for those of you that think that you're risk takers, you get in a room with somebody who's like evil can evil pretty much is what we have. We have some of those guys and gals and you just, you, it doesn't have to be where you go either. It's not like we're not driving to be that person, but it gives you, it kind of gives you the, like the, like where you, where you stand and it, it validates some of the things that you do. Right. But it also shows you where your level of comfort is. Because when I see some of the people doing some of the things that they're doing, I'm like, that's a little bit too much for me. And right. that just shows me where I am on the spectrum. And yep. I, think it's, I think it's cool to see. And I never would have had that without it. Because you go to a meeting or you go somewhere like that. And I just felt like I, I could even see bigger than that. You yeah. know, I yep. could see past that. And I was like, what's after this? Because there's nothing after this that I know. And when I found that thing, it was like, whoa, I got immersed in that. And then it was years and years and years of personal and professional development at one place. So obviously I encourage you guys to join the mastermind group. If it's right for you to go to sevenfigureflipping.com, um, you can go straight to sevenfigurealtitude.com and fill out an application. But I mean, that's, that's what we are. It's just, you know, um, an entrepreneurial organization basically that has a real estate addiction. And, um, exactly. that's the way I look at it. I mean, we're, we're business owners building businesses that could be any, any widget. It just happens yeah. to be real estate, wholesaling and flipping. And I love the, we have the focus there and that's what we're really, really good at. So, you know, that if that's what you're looking to do, then this is the place to be. So yep. that's it. Um, man, Mike, I really enjoyed this. I learned a couple things about you. Um, you like doing martial arts in the 
some places that you shouldn't have been when you were younger. And <laughs> probably and, not. Looking as a parent, you're right. But yeah. Well, when you dated yourself with the uh, with the '80s comment, I thought you dated yourself more with the Dockers comment. <laughs> so <laughs> there's probably some people who are listening, like, "What the heck are Dockers?" <laughs> so. <laughs> That was my favorite part of the whole interview. So. I'm glad you heard everything I said. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, it wasn't appropriate to mention it right after that long <laughs> speech that you gave. I thought this was the perfect time to do it. So, yeah, um, hey, for all of you guys that are listening, I just want to say thanks for hanging out with us. I know that you guys have a lot of places you could be and spending time with me and Mike is awesome. Uh, I love uh, talking to Mike and uh, sharing his uh, knowledge and information with you guys and getting to know all of our kind of board of directors and who we have a little bit better. So you guys can see all of them. Like everybody attends the mastermind group, part of the, part of the seven figure flipping, seven figure altitude group that we have. And then at flip hacking live too. So I'm excited about all the things that we have coming up for you guys and appreciate you listening to the podcast. Make sure, like I said, you share this with somebody who needs it because this entrepreneurial uh, track that we're doing, this is, this is great for anybody that is aspiring or you think needs that tap to say you're the entrepreneur because the earlier they can get that, the better. I'm telling you, I wish that I had it. I don't know. I love my life and where I am right now, so I wouldn't change anything. But, you know, getting that tap 20 years earlier would have been very interesting. Who knows? I, I, unfortunately, I think about that too much. Too. It drives me crazy that I wish I would have known kind of who I was a lot earlier. And, you know, I tell my wife and she'll say, you know what, everything that happened got you to this point. But it's like, I know. Yeah. But if I would have <laughs> known sooner, yeah, that's a beach a- right now. That's a problem we all have. Uh, you could be on a beach right now anyway. So that's after true. we get this, just grab a flight. I would have been on a beach 20 years ago. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> be looking a little bit better. All right. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later, Mike. I have fun. All right, man. All right. See You've been listening to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. If you're ready to learn the house flipping and wholesaling strategies that are working right now in today's market, check out sevenfigureflipping.com. 